As part of the School of Diplomacy's World Leaders Forum, Seton Hall University hosted the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, Archbishop Christophe Pierre, on February 1st. In the Catholic Church, an Apostolic Nuncio is an ambassador for the Pope that serves the Holy See as a sort of diplomat. Archbishop Pierre has previously served as the Apostolic Nuncio to Mexico, Uganda, and Haiti before being appointed the position Apostolic Nuncio to the United States in 2016. In this special episode today, we will unpack his address and his visit with the School of Diplomacy. From Seton Hall University, this is The Global Current. I am your host, Drew Starbuck. With me today are two fellow Seton Hall students. Our first analyst today is Juliana Mori. Hi, Juliana. Hi, Drew. Thank you for coming on the show. And also with us today as an analyst is Trisha Balin. Hey, Trisha. Hi, Drew. Thank you for coming on the show. All right, guys, I want to just get an introduction just in generally to what this address was about and get your initial thoughts on it. And to provide a brief background of the words we are using here, I think I like this to our listeners. The Holy See is the organization that Pope Francis of the Catholic Church is in charge of. Pope Francis, through the Holy See, has diplomatic relations with over 183 countries. Apostolic nuncios, or papal nuncios, are representatives of the Pope who also act as sort of ambassadors, similar to how secular ambassadors work for their states. So Archbishop Pierre, the papal nuncio to the United States, is charged with maintaining diplomatic relationships between the United States and the Holy See. So, in Archbishop Pierre's introduction, they depict the wide range and different responsibilities of the position of an apostolic nuncio within the Holy See and within the Catholic Church as a whole. So, my first question to you both, Trisha and Juliana, is what were some of your initial reaction to this, and what did he say about the responsibilities of his position? I'll come to you first, Juliana. He said a lot about the specific roles and responsibilities that he has as a nuncio, mainly what Pope Francis has previously addressed, like, quote, a nuncio is a man of God, a man of the church, a man of apostolic zeal who bears good news, end quote. And then he goes in to explain his personal role in addressing issues that aren't talked about and need to be represented for the one billion Catholics in the world. Yeah, when listening to the introduction, one of the parts that stood out to me the most was, quote, the nuncio is a man of the pope, end quote. I found this very interesting because going into the address, I personally didn't know much about the Holy See in general or the role of the nuncios, and I feel like it was a good opportunity to kind of change my perspective, considering nuncios aren't your typical diplomat, since they're more or less representing a person, being the Pope, who can also be said to represent an institution, being the Catholic Church. So personally, as a diplomacy student, especially a freshman, we've been learning about states as actors and all the international theories that can assume diplomats represent states, so learning about the Holy See and the nuncios, I think, provides us with a more diverse perspective on what a diplomat can be and who they represent on the international stage on a whole. Mm-hmm. And if I may ask a follow-up to that question to both you, Trisha, and Juliana, you made the point of the difference between a diplomat representing the interests of a state, as secular states do with their ambassadors, but with papal nuncios, it seems they are more representing the interests of a specific man, the Pope, or an institution in the Catholic Church. Do you have any feeling or judgment based on the address of the key differences between those teams, between a secular ambassador, perhaps, for a state and their responsibilities as a diplomat and a papal nuncio to the Catholic Church and their responsibilities as a diplomat? Both kinds of diplomats have their own agendas and who they represent and who they want to fight for in different international circles and different stages. 
and it's just different based on who they're representing, whether it's the Catholic Church or if it's a specific country or state. They are very similar in the roles of how they're going to address certain issues, though. I think one of the main things that we saw within the address was how deeply the nuncio emphasized that the mission of the Holy See is to promote peace and religious freedom. And so it definitely, there are different, I guess, priorities you can see depending on whether the diplomat is representative of the state versus the Holy See. Considering, I mean, when you look at the U.S., everything is so diverse. We have many diverse opinions, diverse people that diplomats have to represent. Whereas, opposed, I feel like the nuncios might have an easier time, one could say, considering they have a more narrow view, considering all that they have to represent are the Pope and the Catholic Church, which have similar I- ideologies when you go around the world. I understand that point. I also want to get into just some general theoretical questions that pertain to the press section and that our executive producer Jasmine Delio and our Susu producer Eric Bunce had the opportunity to ask Archbishop Pierre questions as student press members before the address itself. And they posed some hypothetical questions, but ones that are like very important topics, especially with this address in mind. One question he answered was about the division of the church and the division of American society and how those two may be related or correlated in some way. So I wanted to get both of your thoughts on that, and I'll start with you, Tricia. So right off the bat, I really appreciated that within this question, he brought up the importance of dialogue and cooperation during times of war, especially given the very pressing current war happening between Ukraine and Russia. This to me very much highlights what I think many diplomacy students feel as well regarding conflict, that we need to be prioritizing negotiations and compromise and peace, not necessarily warfare and things of that nature. So it was nice to hear an official ambassador speak on that fact that many problems of the world are facing, including, but not limited to, the Russo-Ukrainian war. That's on everyone's minds. And that so many of them could be solved just by talking to each other and, you know, emphasizing peaceful diplomacy, I think, was really refreshing to hear about. Yeah, I completely agree. He kept on talking about humanitarian law in his entire address, which is something that you don't always expect from diplomats, especially in such a trying time and where there's so much destruction and warfare and natural disasters happening, really trying to keep it not lighthearted, but very positive and optimistic for the future of the world and American societies. I also, there was something in there that I wasn't totally on board with. I mean, I liked his response on a whole, but one of the quotes that he had was regarding to the Catholic Church, quote, it should be a symbol of unity in a polarized society. End quote. I couldn't help but disagree slightly with that, considering I feel like it felt a little dismissive of areas in which there's a lot of different denominations of religions that aren't as represented as Catholicism. So I feel like, yes, it can be a uniting force, but it's also important to be aware that in some cases that's not going to work as well as I think that he might have been advocating for. So it's just something that I feel like it would have been nice to hear him address more. I think that's an important point you bring up, Trisha, and it kind of brings up to the fact of the United States has had a very specific policy of the separation of church and state and how the papacy and the Catholic Church is supposed to reckon with that. And I imagine that's a large part of the archbishop's responsibilities as the papal nuncio to the United States. One thing that he also talked about that I think is worth bringing up, and that was asked as a question at the student press, is his message to young people who are struggling with their religious identity, and what did you think of his response? because all three of us here are attending a Catholic university. And I, myself, am not Catholic. I'm a Protestant Christian. But 
to me, it was interesting to hear the response from a man who represents an institution to promote faith, and is obviously very faithful himself. So I'd like to get your thoughts. So honestly, I really liked his response. As someone who grew up Catholic, it could definitely feel like if there were times you started to question anything, whether it was about yourself or the church as an institution, it was something that was blasphemous or taboo and shouldn't be said aloud or addressed. But to hear Nuncio, who represents the Pope himself, say that that's okay, it was really refreshing. And I feel like it's really helpful to all of the younger generation who may be struggling with aspects of their religious identity, because I feel like it's a natural part of an upbringing within any sort of faith. Yeah, I agree with Trisha again. She is completely right. Gen Z, especially as we're growing with so much more information and more technology, we're more inclined to question views that are just dumped on us. And when we're given the tools to question things, we do. But having the nuncio allow us to have that wiggle room, I guess, to explore our religious identity, it was it was very surprising to me because I did not grow up with a positive experience with Catholicism. And this completely changed my point of view of all of Catholicism, basically. And the fact that you were able to have a change of perspective, Julia. I think it is an important part of like why you bring leaders like this to this forum to ex- experience diverse perspectives and people who can better easily answer the questions that we kind of all had. I do want to get into the address itself as well, not just the press section before it. Archbishop Pierre dove deeper into explaining the background and responsibilities of the Holy See and the Apostolic Nuncature as the diplomatic missions of the Holy See to different secular nations. But I guess I just want to get into what are some of the major topics that he talked about. I'll start with you this time, Juliana. So at the beginning of his address, he said, quote, the fundamental values of the Holy See proposes are religious freedom, of course, respect for international law, and in cases of conflict, humanitarian law, end quote. And I found that this was really topical and relevant for this conversation to have nowadays with the Russo-Ukrainian war, with different talks with different nations in the Middle East, with government instability in Latin America. It's very relevant and refreshing to see that someone that's associated with a church and a specific institution was able to have a global perspective on things. And I think that's absolutely one of the really interesting aspects that he brought up. I think another thing that stood out to me personally was when he mentioned the post-World War II organizations, which of course would refer to the UN, NATO, and the World Trade Organization, and how the Pope's voice has been there since the beginning. It kind of made me wonder if you looked closer at some of the things that have come out of those organizations, would we be able to see some of like the Catholic influence, You know, not just from the involvement of the Holy See, but also with how deeply rooted Christianity and Catholicism is in Western countries like the US and most of Europe. So it's just kind of an interesting thing that made me it, it like made me think about how wide of a reach that the Holy See has and how interesting it is that a religious organization and institution can have this big of reach. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I would just like to add that the Holy See does make a point to tackling important issues about the global south especially and other struggling communities by having different representatives and ambassadors act as envoys and voices for the underrepresented peoples in the world and that is so important especially since catholicism is such a major power major force in the world that it really 
it really goes to show that he was able to com communicate different topics and different issues effectively. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be my follow-up question, Julian. Do you think he communicated on these topics effectively? I think you both kind of covered that of him being able to cover such a wide range of responsibilities and topics. I think you both have already talked about what stood out to you the most, but I wanted to ask furthermore if there's anything else you want to add that he said that stuck out to you or if you want to reemphasize something that you said previously. Another thing that st stuck out to me was, like I said be in the beginning, I didn't have much of an idea of what Anuncio really meant or what their responsibilities were going into this. So he made it very clear the distinction between the Vatican City itself and the Holy See, in which he said, quote, the diplomatic identity of the Holy See is anchored in a person, not in a territory, end quote. I think that really clarified in a really effective way that the Holy See and the wide web of nuncio speak for the Pope and for the Catholic Church, and that while, while yes, we can say Vatican diplomacy is something he, he touched on, it is more proper to say the Holy See. So it's just an interesting bit that has helped me, I guess, reorient my, my view and kind of clean up what I was originally thinking as far as like what the Vatican City means. Yeah, the nuncio also expressed very strongly about his points of view on religious freedom. And he said, quote, that religious freedom is upheld as a fundamental principle for the benefit of all, end quote. And I found this interesting and very important to emphasize because it was really inclusive to different religions. I don't know if he was talking about other religions, but I interpreted it as he was opening the room for inclusion and diversity in the world and just having an open conversation between different churches. That actually reminded me of a question I wanted to ask you, Juliana, about his address on a whole. Do you think that we should be, I guess, critical of some of the actions of the Holy See and wonder if it's, I guess, proper to give religious figures such diplomatic power when there's a multitude of religions that could be considered underrepresented? Or do you think it's better to have like one religious leader that can advocate for religious freedom like overall? I think that having different diplomats or different ambassadors representing a specific group would be beneficial for the church, especially just to get a wide range of perspectives. But I do think that the Catholic Church is a little archaic and not willing to address a bunch of issues that are very important. So if only they were able to fix those little, well, those big issues and address them head on and being transparent with the entire world, that would make more people inclined to learn more about the Roman Catholic faith. I completely agree. I was going to ask as well, do you believe there are any major issues that he did not touch upon in his address? I think you already kind of started, Tricia, with addressing these questions of whether power should be concentrated in the hands of one person or multiple diplomats. And I do think you are both right. And I think that you can never have too many people speaking about in favor of religious freedoms and human rights and different things like that. But it's better to get a diverse set of perspectives and things. However, the Catholic Church has had a policy of like trying to reach out to the world, but also there has to be more transparency on certain issues and processes that they make. And I think that's part of the goals of the Apostolic Nuncios is to be the face to a certain amount of people and ambassadors. One of these things to lead up into that next question is that Archbishop Pierre focused a great amount on the emphasis of the ability of the Holy See to connect people to the church and their faith, and doing so being able to bridge diplomatic gaps that were previously unbridgeable. I want to get your initial reactions to that first of like, do you agree with that thought? And then we'll dive into the specifics of examples that he provided later. I'll start with you, Juliana. I found that 
him saying that the Holy See connecting people to the church and their faith is important, but I don't know if it's going to bridge a diplomatic aspect for young people or people from a different religion to the Catholic Church or the Holy See as a institution or body. And I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of work to bridge those gaps, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that there is validity to the Catholic Church being able to bridge some of these gaps that diplomacy hasn't been able to bridge before. But I think that really is limited to areas with strong Catholic and Christian presences already, because otherwise I feel like there are some aspects that people just won't want to listen to them on. You know, if it's not deeply rooted in their culture, then they won't feel like the church and the nuncios have that authority. I know that when they brought up the uh, Good Friday deal in the introduction, I did find that very interesting. And the sentiments made made perfect sense in the case of Good Friday and what was going on in Ireland. But I feel like you have to be aware that that's not going to work everywhere if there isn't a strong foundation of Catholicism behind it that you're already going into. I think you already kind of got into the specific examples that I wanted to talk about, Patricia, of the, the cultural roots of the foundation. And to be more specific to our listeners out there, the Good Friday Agreement solving a lot of the struggles over the border of Northern Ireland and the troubles going on in Ireland at the time. And Archbishop Pierre remarked that several people said there that it was the presence of the Holy See diplomats in Ireland that helped broker an agreement along with the help of the Americans overseas and different things like that. But it wouldn't have been able to come to that agreement without the apostolic nuncios there, the diplomats from the Holy See. Of course, however, as you mentioned, Tricia, Ireland has a very strong Catholic tradition. There was already a lot of trust towards these figures as representatives of the Catholic Church that allowed them to have a sense of trust toward the diplomatic process and agreement they were trying to reach. So with that in mind, knowing the cultural roots and how important that was, how are you seeing this as a student today of the role of the Holy See and what it can play, especially as one attending a Catholic university? I mean, I feel like one of the main things within our university itself is the fact that a lot of our courses, you have options to take courses that really emphasize the overlap of diplomacy and religion. And I mean, everyone as freshmen has to take courses such as like World Religions and Journey of Transformation that highlight the understanding, at least, of religion, where regardless of where you plan to go in your career, you need to understand religion to understand the world, you know, even if it's not something you personally believe in, it can help you relate to other people, it can help you understand people's like perspectives. And applying that to diplomacy, I think, is a really big deal. Again, even if you're not religious yourself or plan on going into something like like being an NCO and being an apostolic ambassador, it's still important when you're interacting with these figures and people who have those beliefs to be able to understand them properly. Yeah, the nuncio, he brought up religious freedom over and over again. And I feel like Seton Hall has been doing an amazing job with opening conversations of other religions and not just Catholicism, which creates a better, more positive dynamic for people to see Catholics and the Roman Catholic Church as being. And I feel like knowing a little bit more of the background of the Good Friday Agreement has allowed me to see the Catholic Church a little bit more favorably in their ability to act as diplomats. But as Drew, Drew and Trisha previously said, Ireland had a really rich and big Catholic community there. So it might be a little different in the United States or even at Seton Hall, but I found it really refreshing to learn about this. I think the next question also gets into another specific example of an issue within the Catholic Church, and I was personally 
I was at the event and I thought it was important that we address this question. And while it was clear that Archbishop Pierre was not ignorant of the debate within the Catholic Church's stance and with regards to the LGBTQ plus community, and when asked a question about it during the Q&A, Archbishop Pierre wanted to give an answer, it seemed like, but he also decided to sidestep the question as he is a representative of the Catholic Church and he knew that to a certain extent his response would be reflective of the church. So what was your reaction both to the question itself and how Archbishop Pierre tried to answer but didn't really answer the question? And do you believe this is something that he should have addressed head on in his position? Come to you first, Trisha, for that. So looking at contemporary debates within the Catholic Church, three of the main ones are regarding abortion, sexual abuse of minors, and of course the views on the LGBTQ plus community. So I do think it's something that he should have at least given more time to, especially compared to the other questions he answered. He spent a lot of time discussing and you know responding to the student, and I feel like this one was definitely, like you said, sidestepped. And it is a complicated question, so it's natural for him to sidestep it a bit, considering he is speaking on behalf of, like you said, the Pope and the Catholic Church. That being said, though, the way that he responded boiled it down essentially to a debate about ideologies. And I think that that dismisses the fact that being part of the LGBTQ plus community is more than ideology, it's an identity. So yes, it can impact your ideologies, but it's not something that can be shifted. For example, like being liberal or conservative with you know, getting more information, you can shift your viewpoints. On a whole, while his response wasn't bad per se, I feel like it was inconsiderate not only to the person who asked the question by not giving them a longer debate in time, it also, I think, dismissed those who were in the LGBTQ plus community who were listening and were probably hoping for a better response. Yeah, I completely agree. Archbishop Pierre dodged this question completely and it was as a viewer hoping to see some alternative or improving perspectives on Catholic issues and contemporary issues that are spoken about the most in Catholic dioceses and Catholic groups. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised at all to see that he would not react, not really respond. And I think he should have addressed this because it is such there are plenty of people in the LGBTQ plus community that want to be seen and want to be heard and being dismissed by someone so high up in authority is really disheartening for them and it it was really disappointing to see that. I agree completely especially considering the refreshing response you gave in terms of questioning your religious identity and things of that nature. I was really hoping for a more contemporary and probably progressive response from him being being that he's in such high power, it would have been really nice to see. Yeah, and he even addressed women in power in Catholicism and in Vatican City. So it was really strange to see that he wouldn't address certain issues like the LGBTQ plus community in Catholicism. But he was willing to address women's role in the church, which it almost felt like he was taking a step forward and a step back at the same time and it was strange to see but it was sort of refreshing to see that he would be progressive enough to say that he is hopeful and optimistic for women's role in the Catholic Church. I think you both draw attention to important points and another issue that we didn't specifically question earlier but that was part of the Q&A section of I think it was our executive producer Jasmine Delian who asked that question about her being a woman and her wanting to possibly be an apostolic nuncio as that being a potential career choice for her 
and position that the Catholic Church holds with regards to gender being a disqualifier for certain positions within their hierarchy. I think we've covered in a lot of different topics in the discussion, but I do want to get to some summarizing and final thoughts from both of you. First of those questions, I want to ask what was both of your personal impressions of Archbishop Christophe Pierre by the end of this address, and did that change from your initial impressions, and in what ways? I came in with sort of a negative perspective, not not being hopeful for him to address progressive issues, issues regarding controversial topics in the Catholic Church, but Archbishop Pierre was able to do a relatively good job in addressing some of these issues, which was refreshing regarding my personal experience with Catholicism and different Catholic churches. I was in a very similar spot where, I mean, I knew about the Catholic churches from my personal upbringing, but I didn't know a lot of the intricacies of it. So he did a really good job making things clear and understandable. And as someone who's obviously interested in diplomacy, it was really nice to hear about this different perspective of it, even if it's not something I might not personally want to pursue. It was just an interesting look into those, those like inner workings. So I, I do regard him highly in the sense that he made things clear. He made it very interesting. But I do agree. I think they fell short in a few of the more like progressive, controversial areas I would like to hear more about. Yeah, but I definitely enjoy the diplomatic aspect <laughs> that you just said. It was it's not something that you think of when you hear the Catholic Church. You think of mass. Easter, Lent, you don't really think of them being ambassadors and representatives for a huge community and communities that aren't really heard and are just underestimated, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. I think you both are starting to touch on the next question. I was just going to ask you to summarize your thoughts overall from the event itself. And also, both of you have touched on your personal perspectives coming into this event and also as students coming into a Catholic university and what that means in consideration and when you bring in a speaker like this so i just want to ask did you enjoy the event would you go to another event like this again and how important is it that the university has speakers like this at its forum in different perspectives i think it was really really important that they brought people like him in and i think it was a really interesting learning opportunity because overall i learned a lot and I'm walking away from this with a much better understanding of how the Holy See functions, how the Pope is situated in like the diplomatic world. While there were definitely some things that I didn't necessarily agree with or that I would have wanted to hear more about, I think the Archbishop Pierre did a great job at the time that he was given and gave us some very valuable insight to what it means to be a nuncio and to be part of the mission of the Holy See. And I feel like being able to listen to his conversations with people and his address on a whole was really invaluable for diplomacy students. Like I said, even if you aren't personally religious or plan on doing anything religious in your future, it's definitely a needed aspect of diplomacy that, like you said, Juliana, wasn't super touched on before, I think. It it definitely brings in more diverse perspectives and will help us all, I think, interact and communicate with people who are Catholic and who are deeply religious on the diplomatic stage in the future. Yeah, I... I really enjoyed this event, and I hope that Seton Hall plans more events like this in the future because it opens a conversation for people of different backgrounds, different religions, different ideologies, where they're from. It was so important and valuable to me to see someone in such a high position of religion have a progressive point of view on women in the church, and that really hit home for me. 
personally. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was really interesting and refreshing to hear about. Cause I, I never, in my 18 years of being brought up in the Catholic Church, never really hear people respond that positively to women wanting to be in power in the Catholic Church. Well, this has been a great discussion. Trisha Juliana, thank you so much for joining us. Now that is all the time we have for today. Be sure to follow The Global Current on Instagram and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming shows. This show would not have been possible without our dedicated crew, executive producer Jasmine Delion, associate producers Eric Bunce and Hamza Khan, technical producers Andrew Rukulia and Bobby Kyle, and of course, your host, Drew Starbuck. The Global Current is brought to you by Seton Hall University. As always, keep it current with us and catch us on the waves every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on 89.5 FM WSOU. Until next time, thank you. Thank you.